Welcome to the Vanguard Bible Church podcast. For more information about Vanguard Bible Church, visit www.vanguardbible.org or come worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. at Freedom Middle School in Northwest Bakersfield. We hope you enjoy today's message. Good morning, church. Thank you, worship team. Boy, that Revelation song. So much for the roundy, weak Jesus that our culture seems to espouse. If you want a picture of Jesus that is described in the Revelation song, go to Revelation 1. That's the inspiration of that. That's the Jesus that we love and we serve. Power, majesty, glory, the great sword coming out of his mouth, the burnished bronze, the feet, the fiery eyes, the words like living waters in power. Uh, remember in Revelation 1, John sees this image. This is the apostle John, the one whom Jesus loved, of course. And he falls down at his feet at the, res- at the vision of the resurrected Jesus in all of his glory. And Jesus reaches out, touches his shoulder and says, uh, fear not. I'm the first and the last, and he goes on and describes who he is, and that's who we serve today. Our culture doesn't like that Jesus very well, but we do. We love that Jesus, the Jesus who's so powerful and at the same time has the compassion and the mercy and the patience and the love of a mother, both both the extraordinary masculinity of Jesus and the extraordinary softness and love of a mother to a child, much as he said over Jerusalem, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I would have gathered you like a mother hen gathers her chicks, but you would not have it. Jesus is perfectly everything that we could ever imagine or ask or think, and we love him today. Thank you, worship team. I was blessed by that. Well, I have my uh, to-do list. Remember last week? We had the one another list, the 34 one another's, the 18 references in the New Testament of how to love one another. So on my way home... I thought, boy, I kind of hammered those people, didn't I, Lord? (laughs) Sluggish, not you guys, of course. Sluggish, as in Galatians 5 and 6. Don't be sluggish. Don't be dumb as a rock. Don't be stupid. Be smart. Be spiritually smart. And don't be lazy. We had the image of the the, uh, farmer and the soldier and the athlete. If you want to be good at anything in this life, you have to be disciplined. Uh, You have to go at it. Uh, Jesus asks a lot of his followers but he doesn't ask it without coming alongside you and helping you. Uh, the good man, the good woman may fail seven times, but God says, get up seven times. We're not expecting perfection. We're looking for direction. I'm reminded of what we call the ministry maturity timeline. Have you heard of this, the ministry maturity timeline? Um, uh, on the vertical axis of the ministry maturity timeline, on the vertical axis is maturity. Okay. <laughs> I'll take that as technological problem. Um, It's a maturity, uh, the vertical axis is maturity, Christ-likeness, and up there in infinity is the Lord Jesus himself, unreachable in his holiness, perfect, and yet loving at the same time. The the horizontal axis is how long you've known the Lord. And so when you come to Christ, you're you're just a baby baby Christian, and, and you're growing, you're being sanctified or made more and more like Jesus through your study of the Word and through your uh, a relationship with other believers, and you're learning, you're, you're worshiping, and, and uh, he's bringing you along, and you're growing. And so uh, as you go through time, you should become more and more like Jesus. You should be growing, 
Now, there'll be dips in your maturity, there'll be dips in your godliness and your holiness, but overall, you're supposed to be growing. And if you don't do that, you're going to become a problem, not only to yourself and your family and your neighbors and your church, but you'll become a problem in every avenue, even to yourself. What we're looking for is a growth in maturity, knowing that we each have dips in the road. We may have a bad week or a bad six months, maybe a bad year, or maybe a very difficult couple of years, whatever it might be, but there ought to be growing. God uses difficult circumstances to bring us along. So why? Why would he do that? We want to be men and women of valor, uh, men and women and young people who can stand under the stress and strain of our cultural opposition and demonstrate valor, strength, and courage in the face of opposition like Jesus had. Empowered to respond to threats, empowered to respond to rejection without wavering because that's what Jesus wants us to be as he did. So here's the big idea. We want you to do more as the to-do list, the one another list had last week. It's to do more. It's to do more. And I don't mean to get a better job. I don't, although that's fine. I don't mean to fix up your house, to do more activities. You've all got a lot of activities you're supposed to be doing and you want to be doing. And I understand that. I do. But we need to have a greater sensitivity of what the Lord values. A, a while ago, I preached a sermon here that was titled something like, God Changes the Price Tags. And the gist of that message was that uh, the world says this is valuable to a certain level. And Jesus said, no, that's not valuable at all. Uh, that that uh, gift you have that, uh, for making money, that Jesus says, okay, that's valuable as long as you use it to bless other people, as long as you use it for my glory. The church needs financial support, of course, as long as you, as you use it for godly purposes. If you spend it all on yourself, that's not good. He doesn't care about that. Or maybe, maybe you have a certain uh, effect. Maybe you have a certain ability. And God says, that's nice. I've given you that ability. What are you using it for to bless my people? What are you doing that's in keeping with my economy in contrast to what the world says is valuable? Athletics or whatever it might be. Whatever we think that the world has in mind for us that's valuable, God says, yeah, you know, I'm not crazy about that. That's worth five cents. Um, in eternity, what I say is valuable will be worth gold, silver, and precious stones, 1 Corinthians 3. He wants gold, silver, and precious stones out of us. Our job is to figure out what those look like and what those are. If you want to do more in keeping with God's economy, if you want to do more in keeping with God's economy, first you need to become more than you are. That's the big idea. If you want to do more, to be more mature, to, to please the Lord more. Then you have to become more than you are. We're going to be looking at uh, three sections of Scripture today because if we try to do more without becoming more than we are, we are going to fail. Catastrophic failure. Catastrophic failure. You get tired, you get worn out. You'll get tired and worn out anyway. But as you seek the Lord and as you follow Him and allow Him to strengthen you, you will be able to do more to do the one another list that we talked about last week. I don't want you to be discouraged. I want you to know how much God wants to empower you to live this life with valor, men and women with valor and victory and courage to face this culture that we are facing that's increasingly hostile to the Christian faith and has a, roundy, a roundiness of Jesus that's not even biblical. Jesus, the perfectly masculine, perfectly sensitive man. Let me pray before we get into this. Father, thank you. What a beautiful day. Thank you for the worship singing and the, the reading of your word from Psalm uh, 145 and how much you are worthy of worship. I thank you for the privilege it is to know you, 
the God of the universe, the one who created us, the one who loves us, Lord. I pray that today, in this time together, uh, that we would rightly understand your word, that you would help us to not only know it in our brain, but apply it in our heart. Apply it in our hearts so that we may be truly what you want us to be growing, falling perhaps, stumbling around, but getting up, dusting ourselves off. You dust us off and you say, go on, learn and grow and follow hard after me. We ask this in the name of our awesome Savior Jesus. Amen. I want to look at uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6 first. We're going to be looking at Deuteronomy 6, a few uh, uh, sections there, and then we're going to move to Numbers 15, which is just to the left of Deuteronomy in the Old Testament. And then we're going to spend a little bit of time in, one, in Psalm 119. All of this is to, to demonstrate to you that it's the being that leads to the doing. The doing of your life, whatever you're faithfully doing and doing well, the doing of your life ought to be an outflow of your relationship with the Lord. What did Jesus say to the woman at the well? He said, I will give you living waters and outflow. There will be an outflow. You'll never thirst again. The woman at the well, he told And this is what he's getting at. Our relationship with him is core to our ability to live for him and do what he wants. Look at uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is the the Shema, the Shema, the the great commandment uh, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Heart, mind, soul, and strength. I just want to pass by the first three verses really rather quickly in Deuteronomy 6. He talks about the commandment. This is Moses talking about the commandment, the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land, that you may fear the Lord your God. And in verse 3, hear, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, that you may multiply greatly. Verse 4, this is the Shema, verse 4 through 6. This is what the the, uh, Hebrew people recited as core to their faith. And it's what Jesus uh, uh, restated in Matthew uh, 22. The fir- what is the greatest commandment he was asked? And he quoted the Shema. The greatest commandment. Here it is. This is for us. Deuteronomy 6.4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You'll bind them as a sign in your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. Write them on your doorposts of your house and on your gates. That's the Shema. That's the core of the uh, Hebrew faith. It's the core of our faith. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. What does it look like to love God with your heart and with your soul? The soul is simply the immaterial part of who you are. You can't measure your soul. You can't touch your soul. Whatever it is that's inside of you, made in the image of God, it's immaterial. But the Lord says to love him with all your heart, all your soul, and all your might. We don't naturally understand what that would look like. But he explains it to us throughout the scriptures. He wants a singular devotion to him. That's really at the core of it. A singular devotion to Jesus, to to the triune God. A singular devotion. Nothing else takes his place. Nothing else replaces him. Whatever you love in this world is greatly diminished in comparison to who the Lord is in your life. Once you get that, then you'll be able to do what he says is valuable. Don't worry about what the world says is valuable. Don't even 
give that a thought. It's okay. You shall love the Lord your God, a singular devotion with everything you have. I was in a small group. I have a, a group of men I work with uh, in my home and at my home. And um, a few weeks ago, we were in the scriptures on a Saturday morning early. And some of these men said, you know, I'm just tired. I just can't, I can't do all this. And here I am in this group and I'm studying and we're, we're doing this stuff in the Bible. But I'm just tired. Work is hard. People are mean and everybody's crabby and all this distancing and masking and everything else. And I, I don't feel like doing this anymore. Okay, what's the problem? Um, do, you, do you feel like doing this or this? What are you doing with your time? Tell us. Let's, let's discuss what you're doing. Here's the bottom line. The bottom line is that you need to be more impressed with who Jesus is. You need to be more impressed with who Jesus is, not only who he is, but what he's done. Revelation 1 is who he is. That's very impressive that the logos of the Trinity would want a relationship with us, each of us. Be more impressed with who Jesus is, who he is and what he's done and what he wants us to do for his glory. What a privilege and a joy. So we talked about that as a group and we kind of came to the, we did come to the conclusion that we need to really focus our mind on who he is and his ability to empower us to do what he wants us to do. It's in keeping with John 3, 19. You all know John 3, 16. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever shall believe in him shall not perish. For a few verses down, 3, 19, this is the condemnation. God has sent his son into the world, but the people love the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. You love your sin, you're going to have bad fruit bitter fruit. Most often God says, okay, you've sown this sin, you're going to reap bitter fruit. It's a, it's a principle of his economy. So that you will eat it because it'll flourish in your life. And so if we decide we love our job, we love our safety, we love our security, we love our house, we love our, what, even your kids or your spouse even, you can't love that thing or that person more than you love God. He demands total devotion, which will lead to good things. Getting back to Deuteronomy 6, verse 6, Deuteronomy 6, 6. Listen to what he says. These words I command you today, it's not a suggestion. These words I command you today shall be on your heart. That's a B statement. On your heart. On your heart. What I say to you should be on your heart. That's a B statement. Okay, then what do you do with that? Well, verse 7. Here's what you do. You'll teach them diligently. There's that word diligently that we talked about last week. Disciplined, diligently, regularly, frequently, with devotion. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you, you shall do something else. You'll talk of these things when you sit in your house. And when you walk by the way, when you carry out your day, your activities, you'll have them in your mind, in your heart, and you'll speak of these things when you lie down and when you rise. It's a, it's a, a permanent and frequent part of who you are. The doing part is just simply an outflow of your relationship with God. Again, last week we talked about these two do things, but it is in order to do it well and consistently with valor and strength, you have to be connected to the vine. Otherwise, you're just a stick. You've heard that? If you're not connected to the vine, the vine dresser, if you're not connected to him, you're just a stick. You're not going anywhere good. You have to be connected with him in order to do these things. Diligently do them, and you'll gain strength from the Lord as you progress. The farmer, the athlete, the soldier, disciplined, loving, doing the work of God with his strength 
It's just an integral part of your life. Again, an outflowing of that relationship. I'm going to skip over to Numbers 15. The being, the doing dynamic. Being, doing dynamic. Numbers 15, the previous book from Deuteronomy. Listen to what he says. Speak to the people of Israel. He's telling Moses. Tell the people of Israel. Tell them to make tassels on the corners of their garments throughout the generations, forever. Uh, put the cord of blue on the tassel of each corner. This is what I want you to do. It uh, shall be, verse 39, it shall be a tassel for you to look at and remember all the commandments of the Lord. Look at and remember. Remember who he is. Remember what he wants. Remember that he will empower you to do it. Look at and remember all the commandments of the Lord to do them, not to follow after your own heart and your own eyes. Don't do what you are naturally inclined to do. You be who he is. We are um, created in God's image. We are to be so filled with God and who he is and so impressed with him, so loving toward him, that we want to um, demonstrate who he is to our world. The Nike slogan, who knows the Nike slogan? Just do it. Right, Gabby's got it, writing it down in the air. Thank you, Gabby. Just do it. Well, the Christian slogan should be just be it. Just be it, and then you will do it. See, that's the difference. Just be it. Who he is, or who he be, to put it in a funny way. Who he be. See, who he, who he be, or who he is, demonstrates uh, by what he wants and who he, what he does himself. He, it, it flows out of his own character. He wants the same for us. Look at and remember the commandments, think about them, and to do them. Not to follow after your own heart and your own eyes, which you are inclined to do. You're inclined toward that because of our natural bent towards sin. So you shall remember, be, and then do all my commandments. The be and do dynamic. The be and do dynamic. Don't do this life without connection to the Lord. Don't even try be so impressed with Jesus and what he's done for you. Think of where you were. I'm thinking about a man who, uh, who um, was struggling in his faith, and people would say, well, he's not much of a Christian, or she's really not a very good Christian. And somebody would say, well, you should have seen that person before he came to Christ. Or you should have seen her before she came to Christ. It's okay. It's a process. It's a process. Turn over to Psalm 119. This is further verification of this whole principle of the be and the do economy. There's a lot of doing words in this psalm. Do this, do that, do no wrong in verse 3. Keep these things diligently. Um, uh, do all this work. Keep your statutes. Um, how do you keep your way pure in verse 9? Guard it. Guard the word. Don't let me wander. I stored up your word in my heart. That's a B statement in verse 11. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Verse 15, I will meditate on your precepts. It takes time. If you're too busy to appreciate God's economy, maybe you need to get away for not long. You don't have to go long away, but have a time of quiet where you think about who God is, think about the Lord's love for you, what he's done for you, how much he wants you to flourish in this life according to his economy. Meditation is key to the Christian life. Turn over to uh, 119, starting in verse 30. 
Here again is the be and do concept. I'm, I'm going to uh, just again try to cement this in your heart, the importance of doing as an outflowing of the relationship in Christ we have. Psalm 119, starting in verse uh, 32. I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. I will run, that's a doing statement, the way of your statutes, the way you value, what you value. I'll be able to live this life, but I, when will I be able to do that? When When you enlarge my heart, my heart, mind, soul, and strength, I'll do that when you enlarge my heart. It's a heart. It's a fruit. I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. Verse 33 is a B statement. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes. Understand them and teach me them, Lord. But in order to be taught, you have to be available. Teach me the way of your statutes, and I will do what? I will keep it to the end. A do statement. Why should I do that? Verse 34, uh, give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Be and do. Understanding and then keeping. Observing is a do statement. 35, verse 35, lead me in the path of your commandments, a do statement. How and why? Well, I delight in it. As a result of leading me in the path of your commandments, I delight in these commandments. It's a discipline that grows over time. Uh, if you work out as an athlete at all, you know when you the early stages, it's hard to do because you're out of shape, uh, because you, you've let yourself go. Your body may be uh, not used to this, and so you, uh, you have a physical weariness to it. But as you get stronger, and this is true in the spiritual life, as you, as you get stronger, it becomes a delight. It becomes a joy to have this activity. You get stronger and stronger, and you can live a life of valor, no matter what it is that's going on around you. I delight in it. Incline my, hear, my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. That's self-sacrifice. 37, turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. So the question then is, why wouldn't you do this? Or why wouldn't I do this? My boys, when they were young, you know, they were teenagers and... Uh, I would talk to them when they were going out and we would, we would talk about choices and the fruit of choices. And um, I, I don't know what they did with their time. I, I, you know how it is. You, the teenagers kind of do what they want without telling you. And um, they'd come back. And of course, I'd be waiting for them. And uh, I'd say, so how did you do? And they said, well, I was hanging around, let's call them George, and I was with George and Peter and uh, you know, these guys. And how did you do? Well, not really great. What did you do? And they would tell me as much as they could tolerate telling me. And they said, what's my problem, Dad? Why do I use this language? Or why do I talk that way to girls? Or I said, well, you know, I think maybe you don't love Jesus enough. I think maybe you don't understand who he is and what he does and what he has done for you if you would just get a better picture of who Jesus is and what he's done and how he wants to empower you to be different so that you can, you can treat women differently and you can, you can handle the pressure of your friends. One time, my, my, my younger boy got so sideways, he got arrested. And he wasn't in prison or anything, but he got arrested. So he, he, I, I, 
he came to my office at the church and he was looking really forlorn. He looked bad. And you know, when, as a father, you kind of measure how much am I going to have to hammer this kid? You know, power under control, meekness. And I could see I measured his face and I, I know this boy. And so I, I took a look at him and I was watching him and I thought, yeah, he's already beaten up. He's already feeling badly about this. So I, I just need to talk with him and see how he's doing really. And so we did. And I said, what, what kind of choice did you make that wasn't the best choice? Or maybe it was a wicked choice. And he told me it involved beer and driving. That's all. Which was a relief. I didn't tell him it was a relief, but I was relieved. And he goes, Dad, you think... He was reading The, the Greatest Generation, about the World War II generation. He, was reading, he likes to read. One of my boys does. And he, he was reading this book, and he referenced that, that book, The Greatest Generation, about the World War II generation. And he said, Dad, do you think uh, my generation is the worst generation? And I said, well, I don't know. It still remains to be seen. Um, but, you know, greatness is revealed under pressure. When you're under pressure, then we see what you're made of. When you're under pressure with your friends to talk that way to girls, or when you're under pressure to take this thing or do that thing, and when you're under pressure, then we'll see what you're made of. And he understood, and he, ne he never got in trouble again like that. Never again. He was about 16 at the time. But that's the point. Jesus in John chapter 5, you, you may remember that text, uh, he's at the, uh, 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 the pool in Bethesda, the pool of Bethesda. Remember, uh, there's a, a bunch of lame people there who gather around the pool, and the first one in the pool, after the angel stirred it up, would be healed. And there was a man who was lame for 38 years, John 5 tells us. 38 years he was sick and laying there. And Jesus asked him, do you want to be healed? Now, I, I find that to be a rather unusual question. It sounds like a strange question. He's there for 38 years. He's already, he's been lame for a long time. Couldn't walk. And so then my question to me, I ask myself as I'm asking you, do you want to be healed? Do you want to get better? Do you want to become stronger? Do you want to be a better man and a better woman? Do you want to be a person of valor so that when testing comes, you can be what you need to be based upon the Lord's strength and your understanding, your conviction about his economy? Do you want to be healed or not? You have to answer that yourself. There's a price to pay. It's not easy being different from the world. There's a price to pay, and Jesus explains that to us in many ways. The other text you might want to consider is Acts chapter 4, where the Jewish leaders are amazed at these unschooled men who are doing these amazing things after the resurrection of Jesus. And it says, the text in the Acts 4 says, uh, they recognize that these men had been with Jesus. These men had been with Jesus, or these men and these women had been with Jesus, spending time with him, hearing what he has to say. That should be us. And again, not out of a legalistic, look at me, I'm 10 minutes in the Bible this morning, and aren't I a good boy, or aren't I a good girl? That's not it. It's, it's, it's remember from Deuteronomy 6, it's a lifestyle, it's a choice, it's an outflowing of your obedience to him. All the time, thinking about him. Now, I know we all struggle with sin. We know we all struggle with sin. But don't be devastated by your own tendency to sin. Just recognize it for what it is. Call out to him in his mercy and his grace, and he will pick you up, dust you off. Maybe he'll give you a spanking, but you'll go on your way, and it'll be okay. You'll be better for it. So the do one another's list is rooted in being. Doing is an outflow of the relationship we have with him. There's an expectation in our culture, it seems to me, of happiness. 
Americans are very good at seeking happiness. I'm not opposed to happiness in, the, in this culture. It's okay, it's fine. I like happiness. Um, but it's not to be your God. Jesus promises us tribulation, contrary to what the world says. Have you ever seen the movie Nixon? Anybody ever seen the movie Nixon? It's about Richard Nixon. Hayden, you've seen it? I saw this movie a long time ago. And it talks about the life of Richard Nixon. And, uh, in, the, um, in the story, he was raised in the Quaker denomination of Christianity. He's a Quaker. His family was. And his, his mother, it seems, was a woman of devotion to the Lord, loved the Lord greatly. And uh, at this point, uh, the, the movie goes through a description of what it was like during the flu pandemic of 1918-1919, where people were dropping hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands. If the pandemic that we're going through now had the same death rate as the death rate of that flu epidemic, we'd have like two and a half million dead. Two and a half million people dead. How, how, how would people react to that here in this culture? So Richard Nixon's older brother died. He was about 19 or 20 years old, and Richard was maybe 10 or 11 years old, and Richard was just devastated because he loved his older brother. He was devoted to him and admired him. And um, as the mom was grieving and the family was grieving the loss of this young man, uh, Richard was wailing, wailing and wailing and screaming and understood. But finally his mother said, Richard, Richard, strength in this life, happiness in the next. Richard, you must understand, this life has fallen. This isn't heaven. Strength in this life, happiness in the next. I'll never forget that scene because I thought that's exactly right. One of the problems we have in our culture is that we expect this to be heaven. We expect this to be perfect. And any kind of suffering I go through is, you can't, I can't suffer and suffer because I love Jesus. Jesus wouldn't do that to me. No, Jesus would do that to you. He would because he loves you. And the time we have in this life is so brief, it's gone. I was 10 years old a long time ago, but it feels like yesterday, as were you. Eternity is long. This life is brief, no matter how long it feels. You kids out there, young people out there, you'll be older before you know it. Strengthen this life through Christ, happiness in the next with him. The pandemic uh, of 1918 and 1919 killed the strongest among us. It killed the strongest people. It, it killed at such a high rate, uh, young people it killed at such a high rate that it was astounding to the medical professors, the medical profession. And they wondered how this happened. Why would the youngest people, the ages between like 18 and 25, had the highest death rate? Well, they had the highest, I learned this uh, from reading a book, a book called The Great Influenza. You can read it yourself, The Great Influenza. Because it was interesting to me I was, uh, as I thought about this thing we're going through, it'd be good to compare what happened back then. Well, what happened back then is that the, uh, uh, the virus attacked, when the virus attacked a young person who have, the young people have the strongest immune systems, uh, the, the, the strong, powerful immune system went ballistic on the virus. It went nuclear. So that not only did the uh, immune system of the young person kill the virus, it also killed the person. So that's not much of a win, I guess. Yeah, the body's dead now. Of course, the virus dies with it. But the point is that those people enduring that kind of disease 
we're stronger in some ways than what we have today in our science-based culture and everything is, is uh, uh, to be science-based, even though sometimes they seem to deny the science. Our faith and our confidence is in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to get through this pandemic. We'll get through this summer. And uh, we hope that we'll be stronger for it. And we, as we look to the Lord, not to men, to be more than they are in order to do more than we do. Don't expect yourself to do more than you do without first becoming more than you are. That's the point. And if you're wanting to remind yourself, go back to Deuteronomy 6, Numbers 15, Psalm 119, and look at the repeated refrain. And you might say, well, that's Old Testament stuff. That's Old Testament, Gordon. What is that? No, that's Old Testament. Uh, look at Romans 15, which says, these things are written of old for your understanding. These are things written as principles in the Old Testament for our understanding today. It's, for, it's very applicable. It's a New Testament principle as well as an Old Testament principle, as Jesus said in Matthew 22, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and he will empower you. And it will be an outflowing of your being relationship with him. Okay? Let's pray together. We hope you've enjoyed this Vanguard Bible Church podcast. You can find more sermon messages online at vanguardbible.org. Have a great week, and we hope we'll see you soon.